Amen. Well, it's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you for joining us here in Christ City. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Psalms. Psalm 87. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Just take a moment and think on that. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre, with Ethiopia, this one was born there. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples, this one was born there. Both the singers and the players on instruments say, all my springs are in you. Is there room for encouragement concerning our praise life? Is there room for encouragement concerning our expression? If it was showing us in the Bible how the Lord desires to be praised, would we accept the call? If it were showing to us in the Bible the pattern of praise, would we make it our pattern? Some would say it doesn't matter how we praise. Some would say it's inconsequential. Some would say it's different for each person depending on personality or comfort level. Some would say that it doesn't really matter to God. I don't know about you, but I want to praise the Lord the way the Lord desires to be praised. For some, this will be new. For others, this will be old hat, known revelation. The Bible teaches nine expressions of praise. Three with the mouth, singing, speaking, shouting. Three with the hands, lifting hands, clapping hands, playing instruments. And three with the feet, bowing, kneeling, standing, sitting dancing. And someone's already saying this morning, found a loophole. I can't play an instrument. Well, the good news is that God worked it right into you. Because clapping can be an expression of praise, applause, ovation, appreciation, or a form of percussion keeping in time with the music. And so, loophole canceled I want to be clear today before we go any further, this is not a message of human pressure or human persuasion. And the reason this word is being preached today is so that not one of us is in the dark concerning the biblical mandate of worship. 
Can worship be other things? Of course it can. Service in the kingdom? As we go about our day, as we're working at our place of occupation, our role in this life, understanding that we're serving our great master, doing it to the best of our ability to please him, to honor him, to bring him glory. The giving of finances, using our giftings and our talents for the glory of God, and the list goes on. Today, however, let's take a look at what goes on in here, in this place, as we gather to praise and worship our Lord. Nine praise expressions. Perhaps you've come across these expressions if you've been reading your Bible. You've come across these expressions. We by no means have time to visit every scripture dealing with praise expressions this morning. However, I'd like us to take in the short list. Singing. Psalm 47, verses 6 and 7. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. What we did here this morning is we sang praises with understanding. We followed along with the songs that were led. We joined in together to bless our God. You're saying, I don't sing. Yes, you do. As I've said many times before, your shower head and your steering wheel testify against you. Psalm 47, verses 6 and 7 in the voice, sing, shout, play instruments, praise our God and King, sing praises to him who is worthy, for he is the King of all the earth, sing praise all who can, put words to music and then sing praises. I remember as a child went to the mall and I started singing. People started looking at me like I was a little crazy. I don't even remember how young I was, but yeah, now I understand why, because I was walking around the mall singing thanks for the blood at the top of my lungs. That'll wake up a dead world, cause them to wonder. Speaking, Psalm 145, verse 21, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. We speak the praises of God as we come into this place. We declare his praises. Even beyond the walls of this place, we speak out the greatness of our God. Shouting. Psalm 132, verse 9. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. We lift up a shout unto the Lord to honor his name. Lifting hands, Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I don't know how much clearer that scripture could get. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. 
playing instruments. Psalm 150, verse 3 to 5. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. As I mentioned, the Lord has worked it right into us. So that if we don't play a musical instrument, we can clap, keeping time with the music. Clapping hands, Psalm 47.1, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You see, often we see in the Bible and often we see in the house of the Lord more than one expression present, working together to glorify God, working together, standing and sitting. Psalm 135, verse 2, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, standing at attention in the house of the Lord before the King of all creation, standing to bless his name, to bring him honor and glory. Acts 2, 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You see, they were sitting and praying and worshiping God. This was not some sort of passive sitting. Disinterested. They were calling on God and waiting on Jesus' promise. Dancing. Psalm 149, verse 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. What a scene that must have been. Dancing before the Lord with all his might. Bowing and kneeling. Psalm 95, verse 6, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. We see in the Bible these nine expressions of praise. Does this all really matter? Ask God. Consult the Word. The truth is these expressions not only bless the Lord, they are weapons. As we come into the house of the Lord, we have to understand that there's more going on than what we can see. Just think about Jericho and how those walls came crashing down at the sound of the trumpets and the shouts of God's people. That's what brought the walls down. Did you know when we strike our hands together, we strike against the enemy? See, my prayer is that a generation isn't ignorant concerning these things. Because the enemy would love for a generation to be ignorant concerning these things. I thought about it this morning. 
We clap our hands and strike against the enemy. In my backyard, I feed birds. I got this little tray, and I put peanuts on there, and the Blue Jays come, and the kids love it. We watch the Blue Jays. There's this other bird that shows up, the old magpie. I don't know how many times I've opened that door and smacked my hands together, saying scat to the enemy, banged on my window, and then finally the Lord said, I want to give you compassion because even that bird needs food. And so now I'm feeding the magpies too, and God is good, and my reward is on the other side. Did you know that when we dance, we dance upon injustice? And the Bible clearly states that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. We've got a whole lot of believers not using their weapons. A whole lot of churches not exercising these weapons of praise. King David was born in Zion. He knew how to praise and worship. He was a true worshiper. And there was a time when the ark of God, that is the ark of the covenant, which represents the presence of the Lord, was not in the city of God. And so David made it his great mission to bring back the ark, the presence of the Lord, into the city. 2 Samuel 6, we're going to read verses 12 to 23. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedidim and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. My how... Our homes are blessed and all that belongs to us because of the presence of the Lord. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidim to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected, set up for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and the men. To everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. 
And then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Welcome home. And so David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Are these examples in the Bible just for a good read? Or could it be that they serve as a pattern for praise and worship? And this one in particular as a caution against being a window watcher and a despiser of undignified praise before the Lord. A barren existence. Could it be the praise and worship are that closely tied, linked to fruitfulness? Just a thought. What are some of the reasons people don't praise the Lord the way the Bible teaches? Pride. Fear of man. What others are going to think. What others are going to say. Lack of understanding that is revelation. They never knew. Traditionalism. Grew up in a religious environment without expression of worship. It just wasn't talked about. Nobody did it. Left it out. It didn't seem important. Kind of just up to how you felt. There are a few that maybe responded in that way, but the rest of us, it's just not me. Disbelief. Or they simply don't know the Lord. You see, this church has always believed in the tabernacle of David and in the restoration of the tabernacle of David. This house has always been a place of praise and worship. Biblical expression. As I said at the start of the message, this might be new to many of you here today. Search the scriptures. Search the word. You'll soon see this, this pattern, these expressions being used over and over. God calling his people to worship him in this way to praise Him in this way, 
When we look at Zion in New Testament terms, spiritually speaking, it's the place of gathering to God's presence to praise the Lord. So, here we are. Welcome to Zion. Psalm 132, verses 13 to 18, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. Psalm 147, verses 12 to 15. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. Psalm 150. We've already read part of it in the New King James Version. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You got breath today? You got air in your lungs? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The Passion Translation reads, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise God in his holy sanctuary. Praise him in his stronghold in the sky. Praise him for his mighty miracles. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with trumpets blasting. Praise him with piano and guitar. Praise him with drums and dancing. Praise him with loud clashing of cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everyone everywhere join in the crescendo of ecstatic praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I believe it was Martin Luther that said where God would build a church, there the devil would build a chapel. Quiet, somber, not too much activity. I'm not downplaying the importance of a chapel. But when we come in this place, do you know who we are coming to bless? Do you know who is here enthroned on the praises of his people? Those that don't learn how to worship on this side of eternity, you're in for quite the ride when you make it to the other side. We're going to praise 
and worship the Lord for all eternity. If we don't love to worship down here. What a mighty God we serve. Praise Him for His miracles. Just think of the miracles He's provided for you. Is He worthy of your praise? Listen, even if He never did anything for us, He's still worthy of our praise. He's so worthy to receive. Born in Zion. Back to our main text, the voice Bible reads, it is said of Zion, this person and that person were born in her. The Most High God has established that city and makes her strong. When keeping track of his people, the Eternal surely notices this one was born in Zion. Those who sing and those who dance will say together, all my fountains of joy are in you. I'm going to read it from the message. And I do believe that this is prophetic for this house. The words getting out on Zion, men and women right and left get born again in her. God registers their names in his book. This one, this one, and this one. Born again. Right here. People born again in Zion. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue. People from all walks of life coming to Zion, witnessing praise. Do you know that praise and worship is a form of evangelism? Perhaps you never thought of it like that. The non-believer comes into a church and sees people full of passion and fire and zeal for their God. This must be some kind of God they serve. My, how they love to gather to his house. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. My, they attend church often. In this place, the place is vibrating. People so full of love for their Lord. It's a form of evangelism. They feel the power of his presence and they hear the word of the Lord as it runs swiftly. People are encountering Jesus Christ, his grace and his mercy here born again in Zion. People being born again in Zion and being born of Zion. True worshipers. You know what our Lord said in John 4, verses 23 and 24? This is what he said. But the hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Why did he say the true worshipers? For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You can have the worship team return today. I love David's response 
King David, our father David, I love his response to a window watcher who despised his worship. This was his wife. And oftentimes could feel that type of pressure from either side. I love his response to a window watcher, somebody who despised his worship, the way he honored his king, his Lord and his Savior. What did he say? He said it was before the Lord who chose me. He went on and he said, therefore I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. Are you humble in your own sight? You see, people like David that have been born in Zion worship for an audience of one. We may be in an auditorium with many people, gathered with others, but we worship for an audience of one. We're here to worship God. It's, it's not about what's going on on the right or the left or in front or behind or whether this person's worshiping or how I'm going to look while I'm expressing my praise to the Lord. He worshiped before an audience of one. People like David, they can't believe that the Lord has chosen them. Did you wake up today, Lord? I can't believe you chose me. Look what you've done, Lord. I mean, I look at the people here. Miracle, 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 miracle. All these miracles sitting in these seats today. People like David, they are undignified. People like David, they are humble in their own sight. humble themselves before the Lord. They break their pride. They push away the fear of man that would love to just cripple their praise. Dr. Jack W. Hayford said these words. Worship won't begin to make sense until we understand its place in God's total plan. God gave worship so that we might become partners in his highest purposes. If we are obedient to God's design for worship, we place ourselves under his kingdom rule. Most importantly, however, obedient worship makes possible a reinvestment of God's rule among humankind. It's quite the statement.
Graham Truscott said these words, when God's people begin to praise and worship him using the biblical methods he gives, the power of his presence comes among his people in an even greater, in an even greater measure. You know, perhaps we're here today and our worship, our praise is subject to emotions. How we feel that day, what we're going through, the pressures we faced, what life looks like outside these walls, home environment, whatever it might be. So we come in and our worship is subject to our emotions, how we're feeling that day. And so some Sundays we come in and we're, we're ready to go. And others we just feel the weight and we feel all the distractions. Perhaps we are at that place our worship is subject to emotions. You see, the truth is, the Lord loves when we worship with emotion. But our worship should never be subject to emotions. How we feel that day, or whether or not we feel like worshiping. Why? Because the Lord is always worthy of our highest praise. Sometimes you just got to tell yourself, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. <laughs> Shake it off. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Fan the flame. Stir the passion. Stir the embers. You come into the house of the Lord. We all face things all week. But God is so worthy when we gather to his house. Let's join together in unity. Bless the Lord. Listen to these words. Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. It's like somewhere in church. Hey, when the feeling comes, I don't know when that'll be. Maybe when they hit the first course. Maybe when they sing my favorite song. Hey, some people take a little longer to get going. Maybe it's at the end of the service. Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship is first and foremost for His benefit, not ours. Though it is marvelous to discover that in giving Him pleasure, we ourselves enter into what can become our richest and most wholesome experience in life. Let's all stand today. Lord, you're so worthy of our praise. You're so worthy of our worship. Lord, I pray for all of us here today, if we're struggling with pride, Lord, if we're here and it's been this battle with the fear of man that's been holding us back. Perhaps we've come to this place, Lord, maybe we're new, this house. And 
Lord, we've never heard this revelation. We've never really seen it in the Word. Perhaps we've read it, but we've just glanced over it. We've never really taken it in. I pray today we would take it as our pattern, Lord, and we would answer the call to worship and praise you the way you desire, the way you've laid it out in Scripture. If we're here today, Lord, bound in traditionalism, we've grown up in an environment where these things were downplayed or looked down upon. I pray, Lord, that we would take to the Word and let your Spirit speak to us afresh and that we would come alive and be born again. Lord, as true worshipers in spirit and truth worshipers. Lord, if we're here today and we don't know you, I pray, Lord, that is your Holy Spirit, even right now and in the next few minutes here, is tugging on hearts and knocking on hearts that God, hearts would open up to you in this house today. We give you all the glory, Jesus. You're so worthy, 